0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Uh, What it means to follow Jesus, because that really is... is is kind of the crux of what we've been trying to accomplish over the last three or four weeks here on Thursday night. The idea isn't to find a way to out-argue somebody. The idea is to find ways to follow Jesus more. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter number four. Matthew chapter number four. And we'll be in verse number 18, Matthew 4:18. Will we read that? Just bow our heads, ask the Lord to be with us once again. Lord, help help us uh, help us to look to Your Word, find some truth, so we can apply it in a real way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 18. The Bible says, "And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea." Why did they do that? Well, the Bible says, for they were fishers. Pretty simple and easy to understand. They're out doing what they got to do, fishing. And he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Jesus meets them or he, he, he is able to relate to them based on what they already know and based on what they already have experience in. It's easy for them to relate to them if you're a fisherman There's all types of ins and outs of fishing That make it what it is It's more than just casting a a rod You know a line into Into the water so He says follow me and I will make you fishers of men and they Sat there and argued with Jesus and figured out a better way But that's not what verse 20 says And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. I don't think this is a passage where Jesus is trying to give christians a opportunity to use a spiritual argument to retire early (laughs) and not have to work they're out there working and doing their trade and jesus says hey follow me i'll make you fishers of men and so they get it they know that fishing for men is more important than my trade and they didn't argue with jesus they were ready to follow him i think too many times we come up with arguments that are good arguments to not follow Jesus. I come up with these arguments. <laughs> you know, we reason in our head and we use the logic God gave us. and We use the sense that God gave us to talk ourselves out of other things that God gave us to do as well, which is to follow him and fish for men. So I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, you need to just quit your job and just fish for men. And we all know what that means, right? It's a spiritual fishing. It's not a physical fishing for fish we're going to you know, eat and all that. So he takes the physical that they're used to and he relates it to the spiritual. He's not saying take an early pension, retirement plan. He's saying, look, if you know how to do this, let me show you how to do this and fish for men so following jesus isn't just forgetting everything else in life here on earth that we're responsible for and god expects us to be responsible for it's on top of all those other responsibilities god says you might want to block out a little time to actually fish for souls And evangelize souls and try to win souls and try to talk to the lost. And here's what they did. They didn't argue that. You're fishing. It's a busy trade. You're working at a restaurant. That's a busy trade. You're working any job nowadays. It's busy. God says, don't forget, follow me. I want to make you. Fish for something else, and so that's Matthew chapter four, verses and eighteen. And um, notice what happens in verse twenty-two. Uh, in, in, let's read verse twenty-one again. And going on from thence, he saw two other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him now again i don't believe this passage is teaching that you just write off your mom and dad <laughs> you know we tend to take the spiritual extreme and a lot of times it's we just kind of kind of reel that in a little bit and try to get into the middle of god's will <laughs> he's not saying break ties with your dad He's saying, look, you spend time with your dad working, great. You spend time with your, your mom, uh, you know, doing things, and you spend time with your family doing things, great. Don't, don't stop doing that, but you better be ready to leave them to also follow me and fish for souls. It's not about quitting your job, it's not about isolating your family. It's about on top of those responsibilities, family and work, let's follow Jesus. Does anybody else besides me have a hard time with that? Don't we tend to go through seasons of we got that down and then other seasons where we don't? So hopefully we can gain some truth of that. And, you know, we've been doing Thursdays talking about the holidays and all that. We don't want to go, we don't want to get so knee-deep into all the roots of that that we forget some of the other things that God wants us to do. It's great to know things, it's great to take those things and apply them to the Bible. But we've got to be able to not lose sight of following Jesus when it comes to fishing for souls. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 19. Let's get another one. I would rather spend 45 minutes arguing with a lost man about the condition of his soul when he dies rather than arguing with a Christian about whether or not we should do an egg hunt and put up a tree. (laughs) I, I mean, I'll have the discussion, but I'd rather not argue with you for 45 minutes about it. I'd rather have us team up and go argue with a lost man. <laughs> well, that's just me. But Matthew chapter 19, verse number 16, the Bible says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? That's a good question to ask Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that you didn't get it, didn't get any better than that. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? When you're witnessing to people, don't forget to try to take away some of the examples of Jesus. And one of those examples is to ask questions. If you can ask somebody a question, sometimes that's better than just giving them everything you believe. And notice Jesus does all of it. And also notice that Jesus is Jesus. And so he knows exactly when to apply the question, exactly when to apply law, exactly when to apply grace and when. Because he's Jesus, so we have to be able to lean on him and his word, so that we can hopefully have the right approach. What's the right approach? You say, I don't know. Every situation's different. Every person's different. I know we're not changing the gospel, right? We know that, but how we have that conversation? Don't forget, ask questions. And Jesus says, "Why callest thou me good?" And then he answers that there is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And here he goes with the law. He asked the question, and now he hits them with the commands, the law, which is a great thing to do when you're witnessing. It's always law to the proud. They have to see themselves as prideful and as a condemned sinner. And then it's always grace to the humble. Somebody starts to humble themselves, man, back off a little bit with the law. And show man God so loved the world Here's what he did And you've got to be able to kind of balance that out Based on where you think That conversation's going But he hits them now with law He's Jesus he knows his heart We're not Jesus We don't know their heart But we know if they're lost they need him So at least we know that much And he saith unto him Which Now he asks Jesus a question Jesus said Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, that's a, that's a good bit of commands. And he says, the young man saith unto him, this is pretty impressive. All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? It's almost like he's got an answer to justify himself, but he ends it with he's still not certain that he's good enough, which he, which is why I think he said, what lack I yet? And you hear people all the time. Are you a good person? Yeah, I never killed anybody. Are you a good person? Yeah, I don't I don't cheat on my spouse. I've never stealed nothing. I mean, in their eyes, they're good. And in our eyes, they're good as a citizen, as a neighbor. We want them as our friend, <laughs> somebody we can trust not to steal our stuff. But something's lacking. And I think this young man knows it because he asked Jesus, and Jesus is glad to tell him, verse 21, Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. I don't believe that this verse is saying, if we want to follow Jesus, that we need to go sell our car, we need to go sell our house, we need to sell everything that we own, and then we can be right with God. I don't think that's what this verse is teaching. I think this verse is teaching that Jesus gives this guy commands And he's kept all those commands. Jesus, knowing this man's heart, points out his exact command that he's breaking and the idol that he has, which is his stuff. And if stuff is your idol, if stuff is my idol, then we should get rid of it. If it's the car that you keep in the garage and no one can drive because it's just, it's it's the car, um, If you're a collector and you're in that industry And and all that that might be one thing But i'm trying to use that as a picture to say If it's an idol Then get rid of it But jesus isn't saying get rid of all your possessions To be right with me. He's saying if you possess something that's causing you To not follow me I got an idea Junk it (laughs) Junk it Do You have something in your life I have to ask myself do I have something in my life That we need to take to the junkyard to be able to follow him better. And watch what happens. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? For he had great possession. How can you be sorrowful and have so many things? Because if you don't have the Lord, you've got nothing. You keep that in mind. Young people, the world will allure you with a lot of things. But if you don't have the Lord, you don't have anything. That's worth eternity. We'll tell this story. I don't think any of the young people have heard this one. I forget how many times I tell stories, but there's a point to this one. I used to listen to all types of awful music and I was really, really into it because as a young person, if you don't want to listen to your parents or authority, you just listen to music and that gives you the outlet to rebel against authority. That's all rock and roll music is is an outlet for you to rebel against authority, your parents, the cops, the teachers. And so I got into all that stuff. And uh, so I, I took up guitar lessons. I was all into it, playing guitar. And um, I used to like Eddie Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen and some of the older Senior Saints, by remember that era, not because you liked Eddie Van Halen, because you had kids my age that listened to Eddie Van Halen. You probably gave him, you know, you know where I'm going with that. He had all types of guitars. Man, he can play the guitar. His guitars were worth, they're in the hard Rock cafes, the whole bit. He was one of the best guitar players in rock and roll of all time. That's what that industry would say. Why are you telling me that story? What does that have to do with church or Jesus? Well, this. Eddie Van Halen just died. 65 years young or old, depending on how you look at it. But he died. None of those guitars did he take with him. There's an argument to be made that a lot of these rock and roll players, quote, unquote, sell their soul to the devil. And they get a lot of money. They get a lot of fame. They get a lot of possessions. And in the midst of that, lose their soul. Matter of fact, Eddie Van Halen, the Van Halen group had a song called Running with the Devil. That was one of their songs. I don't know where Eddie Van Halen is. That's not the topic of the message tonight, but I knew, but I do know this after I got convicted about music. I remember listening to that song on the radio in my truck and turning it off. Not because nobody, nobody told me to. My mom yelled at me for years. Don't listen to that junk. I didn't listen one bit. (laughs) I'm a rebel man. (laughs) I didn't listen. Why did I turn it off in my truck? It could only be the Holy Spirit working through me because I would not have done it on my own. Possessions. Do you possess them or do they possess you? That's the question. You can put that question in front of anything. Does your job control you or do you control your job? I know some things are out of our control. Just something to think about. We can't take any possessions with us at all. I'm not saying sell everything so you can be right with Jesus at all. What I am saying is. Do you possess them or do they possess you? And if they're an idol in your life. I think God's trying to teach us here. Get rid of it. Take it to the junkyard. All right, let's go over to Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. And then it's chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse number 25. Matthew 14, or Luke 14, sorry, Luke 14. And here's why I think people don't follow Jesus. Luke 14, verse number 25 And there were great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them. And I guess here's why he only had 12. (laughs) They were real close. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Again, back to what I was saying before. Before. Jesus isn't telling you to go over to dad's house and tell him that you hate him. He's not telling you that he's saying. If your family, if possessing possessions, if your trade is a fisherman, if all of that stuff you love more than me, there is a problem. You're not following me. You need to hate. The way that the, your job has such a grip on you that you can't follow me. You've got to hate the way that your family traditions have such a hold on you that you can't follow me. He's not saying be mean and hateful to your mom and dad or your brothers and sisters. I mean, I that'll preach, right? <laughs> That's not what he's saying. And his own life also. Which kind of qualifies everything that I just said, I think. Meaning, if you love yourself more than anything, God says, you better hate that about yourself and follow, so you can follow me. People, they have themselves on the throne. So, uh, verse 27, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. It ain't going to be easy. For which of you intending to build a tower, and here's why it's not going to be easy. Sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Why don't people uh, follow Jesus? Because it's going to cost them too much. And they count the cost and they say, it's too much. I don't even want to touch it. Verse 29, lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold, it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, we can preach, finish what you start, and that'll preach. But we're going to preach. How about lay the foundation? And be able to bear the fact that someone's going to mock you and make fun of you. Eventually somebody's going to tease you because you talked about Jesus or you want to follow Jesus. Now you laid a foundation of faith for them. Be ready for them to mock you and make fun of you. It costs too much to follow him. And that's why people don't. Verse 31 Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that command that cometh against him with 20,000? Now, it'll preach if you're outnumbered, take the cost, count the cost, and back off. Or I think it'll also preach you are outnumbered count the cost and go after someone's going to mock you. And there might be a casualty of war, but I'm not going to not follow Jesus because the entire world is against biblical Christianity. If you count that cost in our logic and our mind, it says, don't do it. And if that were the case, no missionary would be sent overseas. Who in their right mind counts the cost of going to Sierra Leone, Africa, where the living conditions are horrible? The witchcraft and superstition is abounding, even in 2020. It's a no-brainer. It doesn't make sense. Now, this isn't a message, if you don't do foreign missions, you ain't right. This is a message that if you count that cost, logically, it don't make sense. So why start? You got to be able to trust God, endure the mocking, make sure you're called. I mean, we can discuss whatever that means, but it costs people too much. And who wants to go to war and lose lives? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassador and desire for conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. What's first place in your life? What's first place? Romans. Romans, chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, verse number one, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your, that means you, that means me, reasonable service. How do I do that? And be not conformed to this world. So you want your body to be a living sacrifice? Be not conformed to this world. You want your body to be holy? You want it to be acceptable unto God? Then don't be conformed to this world. This world system is revolved around the prince of the power of this air. By the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Who wants to be in the will of God? That'd be me. It'd be Everybody. Now, there's been all types of sermons preached about the will of God. Most of them have something to do with when you run it down to the bottom line. Well, I just thought I just feel the Holy Spirit told me and I just got a really good inkling about this thing. Is it the Holy Spirit? I don't know. All I know is. I know. You can be in the will of God and I can be in the will of God. If we present our bodies, living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, that's reasonable. God says we can be in his will. If we protect ourselves to not be conformed to this world, I know because the Bible tells me I will not be out of his will. And prove that it was good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay. So, that's how we follow Jesus. We present our body. The living sacrifice. In all areas. Most of which. I fail at. If you're honest. Maybe you don't do so hot in every single area of your life either. Nonetheless. Let's lean on God. Uh, let's go over to 2nd Corinthians. We'll do three more. Uh, maybe four, and we'll wrap up this evening. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Paul says this, uh, this urging again. He says, now I, Paul, myself, beseech, that's that urging again, you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. How do we get others to follow Jesus? Urge them with a gentle, meek spirit. Who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you, I urge you, he says again, that that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence. Wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It's easier to fight with somebody in the flesh. For guys, sometimes it's just more fun. (laughs) I don't know about the ladies, but we do get into fleshly battles. But, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Here's what we should do. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Do you have an imagination in your head that it, that's against God? Cast it down and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, there is a command that God asked us to do in the New Testament. That I know I don't do every day. Bring every thought. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. If we're going to follow God, we need to be ready to cast down the imaginations that exalt themselves against God. We need to be ready to fight not a carnal battle, not a carnal war, a fleshly war, but a spiritual war. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse number six. For this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. If you, if you sow spiritual things sparingly, you'll reap spiritual things. Uh, it, 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 they won't be bountiful. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Um Okay, so verse 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So whatever you give, if you give money, you're not giving money to, it's not the stock market. You know, it's not Walmart where we're expecting a return. If I give somebody $10, I'm expecting to walk out of that store with 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 that with those deli meats. Right We're giving To get Which means we're paying for it You pay for something you expect something Back in return God doesn't The giving that we have Here in church At the church house Should be cheerfully Given We're not expecting something in return Why don't people Follow God They don't want to give. They don't want to give their money. They don't want to give their time. They don't want to give compassion. They don't. But God says, you know, if you give, what you will reap will be a spiritual benefit, a spiritual blessing. You say, what is that? I don't know. I just know that the Bible tells us we'll reap bountifully. Maybe that reap might be Somebody comes that's young and is on fire for God and wants to tell all the students on campus about Jesus. <laughs> Maybe it's God sends somebody and we, we can get the, the, the sink fixed. Maybe it's God sends somebody and they're able to really, they got this gift to be able to relate and help people with problems. I don't know. I just know we got to trust God, follow him, and then he'll supply. He'll, he'll, he'll sow. We... we, we we, we get what I hope we get what I'm trying to say. God loveth the cheerful giver. Galatians two and First Corinthians eleven. Galatians chapter two, verse number twenty. Another popular verse we already preached on it when we did Galatians. Uh, wrapped up with the second chapter a while back, but I am crucified with Christ verse 20 Nevertheless, I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me If you want to follow Jesus you kind of need that and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me Following God. What does that mean? Well? It means right now, in your body of flesh, you can live by faith. What does following Jesus mean? That. Christ lives in you. Your body can live by faith. Even though you live in a body of flesh and are trapped in it, you can live by faith. After all, God gave himself for you. All right, let's wrap up with 1 Corinthians Chapter 11. Be followers of me. Verse one, even as. I also am of Christ. That's a loaded verse. Everybody have a favorite person they like to work with on the job. You think back to your last job that you had and you think, man, I just really want to work with this guy. I just really want to spend time with this gal. She, you know, we have our favorite workmates and we kind of tend to want to follow after them, especially if you're a leader in a company or an organization. Remember going to school and you had your favorite teacher and, you know, you'd do anything for that teacher. It was just your favorite. Everybody has them. If you four, got three, four, five teachers, everybody's got a favorite. Everybody's got a favorite preacher. I've got mine. You've got yours. And we listen to them. We follow them. But Paul says this verse is so loaded. Be followers of me. What does that mean? Even as I also am of Christ. If that favorite workmate that you had was caught stealing from the boss, all of a sudden, that ain't your favorite workmate. And God warns, don't follow that person. Your teacher, the favorite teacher that you had, and you found out something happened, and he or she did something that was just wrongful doing, all of a sudden, it's not your favorite teacher. Paul's trying to make a warning here. Look, you guys might like me. But if you're going to follow me, make sure... I'm following Christ and then you can be okay with following me because you're really following the Lord. Who do we need to follow? Christ. Christ. Parent. Our kids follow their parents. They kind of don't have a choice, but they should be thinking is what my dad doing. Christ. Like is what my mom doing. Christ. Like it works both ways. Then it says verse two. Now I praise you brethren. That you remember me in all things and keep the ordinance as I Delivered them to you, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, the head of Christ is God. Who are we all following? Christ. Who is Christ? God. We get out of trying to follow other people to put us more on track with following the Lord. Those are at least some biblical thoughts that we looked at tonight when it comes to following Jesus and what that means. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.